This is Kelly. This is Jen. This is Heather. And you're listening to Whiskey Cats. Yay! <laughs> In this episode of Whiskey Cats, we compare two ryes, discuss agriculture, chill filtering, and a bourbon steroid theft ring. Rise today. I did. What, what are these ryes? So I brought two ryes. So ryes are traditionally a Pennsylvania and Maryland thing, I've learned. It's a very East Coast, sort of Northeast whiskey. Interesting. Um, I have brought you two from neither of those places. <laughs> uh, one well, is like our patriots, right? Like the um, the old Portero, they're trying to do an 18th century style, which is a ride like yeah. uh, your Plymouth mm-hmm. Rock folk. Right, okay. right. I think that's why I like rye so much. Pennsylvania, it speaks but... to me. <laughs> it's, but it's Northeastern. Right, so I've brought um, the Catoctin Creek Roundstone Rye from Virginia. Nice. And the Finns American Rye from uh, Oregon. So it's mm. East Coast versus West, West Coast. Coast. Oh, God. In a way. <laughs> so we'll start. I thought we would start with the local, Great. the Catoctin Creek. So it's um, made out in Purcellville, Virginia. It's about an hour away from where we are recording right this moment. And it's run by two nice people named Becky and Scott. And she was a chemical engineer and he was like an IT guy. And they decided to open a distillery. And it's the first legal distillery in Loudoun County, which is the county where Purcellville is, since Prohibition. And Catoctin, which is in the name, just is derived from a local Indian name, and it is, like, from the mountains that are out there and some creek called Catoctin Creek. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so they're, they've been around, yeah, so since 2009, I think, um, they've been around. Since 2013, they've made, like, 85% of their power to run the distillery is all solar power, which I kind of oh. love about them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're just, like, very, like, all the grains they use are certified organic and kosher. Like, they're just kind of very into that stuff. And so... They make a lot um, of other stuff, too, right? Like yes. They make, they make... They do. They oh. make uh, <laughs> a couple of rice. They make a gin, a peach brandy, and a pear brandy. A standard brandy, which is actually made from local Virginia grapes, is called, like, the 1776... <laughs> brandy or something and then uh, a white whiskey which is called Mosby Spirit that's I think mm. the only other one that I've ever heard which I was reading reviews about them and one one person called it the gentleman's moonshine which what? I enjoy <laughs> so nice. I kind of wish I had some of it here do you need like some old fashioned knickers to I know <laughs> it's a gentleman's moonshine uh, but that's not what we have we have the roundstone rye um and so technically to be called a rye, you have to have at least 51% rye and Catoctin Creek uses hundred percent. Oh, oh wow. So it's hundred percent rye. It's aged in new Minnesota white oak casks for just under two years. Hmm. Um, so that's so, like the version of like the Hudson baby bourbon, yep. which is 100% corn, which we also, I think unanimously dislike, but yeah. yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So I'm curious about this rye. Yeah. So um, yeah, 100% rye, just under two years, and let me pour everybody some. I think you can tell that you've cracked this bottle already, because it doesn't give that <laughs> awesome glug-glug sound. I know. Sorry. Yes, it's about a third of the way empty already. A used bottle. I can't believe it. Well, cheers, ladies. Cheers. cheers. Mm, much sharper. Yeah, sharp nose. 
It smells so good, though. It does smell really good. It's kind of... It smells a little bit sweet. Yeah. To me, it has a, a little bit of a of a sweetness to it when you taste it. Oh, I enjoy this rye so much. It's so smooth. Yep. That's very good. Ryes are often considered the sort of spicier... Sorry, dog. <laughs> Dog is looking at his little white tail. Dog in the window. Dog in the window. <laughs> Sorry. We're recording at Kelly's down. today. <laughs> the danger of recording at Kelly's is that we get to watch all the dogs go by. I have a proper bar with no windows. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's, uh, you know, rye's are, are usually, you know, when you read people's tasting notes of rye's, they're like, oh, it's spicy and it doesn't have the sweetness of a bourbon. But I think this rye is very even. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not super sweet, but it's not but a it spice has, in the face. But it has some sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so smooth. And I'm not, yeah. I mean, I would like to drink more and more rye's because I feel like my taste with them is somewhat limited compared to bourbon. Mm-hmm. But the rye's I have tasted, I generally don't enjoy as much. Like Bullet, like I don't yeah, want I don't, anything to do with that rye. I agree. Um, <clears throat> the, their bourbon is perfectly acceptable but it just seems like a big difference and this is very good i mean i wouldn't say it's like a bourbon but it, it tastes like um like an american whiskey mm-hmm. you know like it, it, yeah. it's almost in that the westland i, know, um, I almost thing. wish that i had yeah. brought the westland <laughs> where's our control <laughs> i know <laughs> i like it i like this a lot i think it's you know it's, it's a it's a rye that i can sip but it's also a rye that is really wonderful in a cocktail like a yeah, solid yeah. manhattan that showcases the whiskey oh yeah so good it's it's really nice this is it's maybe the first rye that I've con- I would consider like just buying, buying. this to keep, mm-hmm. you know, not for like a novelty factor. Yep, we go through it's a good bit of this. It's also very um has a lot of floral notes to me. Hmm. I could see that. I was thinking almost cinnamon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I wouldn't say, I mean, it certainly doesn't have that taste to it, but it just has that sort of like it's a little bit of a spice, but this kind of like unidentifiable spice. I'm not yeah. really, you know what I mean? Like not cinnamon, like it's not Christmassy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But now that we've had a taste, I'll tell you their their tasting notes of it um, are a delicious woody taste with Oops. notes of caramel, rich butter toffee, and just a hint of lemon on the nose. Huh. Yeah, I did get a little citrus. Mm-hmm. I think that's Definitely. the floral that you smell mm-hmm. to me. Is I can, I can see the citrus a little bit. And so also like the sharpness. Mm-hmm. You know, cinnamon is wood bark. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure that's correct. not what they meant. But... <laughs> Just like peat is dirt. Cinnamon is wood bark. <laughs> Real I saw, truth I saw a video the, the other day about, how, about um, showing how they peel the cinnamon away. Oh, the... send that to me. I yeah. want to see that. That's pretty cool. I've always wanted when I buy it and it's in that little round. I'm like, how do you make this? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, there's two of them. There's like the one that, it, it, you know, curls properly. But they <laughs> just, they peel the, the bark off the tree. And it looks like it's terrible for the tree. But they're like, they've actually shown, shown that it's one of the most sustainable industries like the trees don't really care and wow. what, what doesn't curl off properly gets you know made into the powder i wonder if it's evolved hmm. like having some animal peel the bark off and that's why it likes it mm, like some it's animal called homo humans. sapiens <laughs> <laughs> yes <Are> they <laughs> anything that can evolve to survive us yeah. I know. <laughs> where do they grow cinnamon oh i forget i want to say maybe um Central America, I'm guessing. I think I'm making that up. I'm totally making that up. Now I feel we like don't have the like... internet in front of us, listeners. I know. So we know nothing. We're totally ignorant. We are. The internet in front of us. Kelly's giving us a sploosh of water. Thank you. 
think I brought out the citrus on the nose for me. Oh, I feel like it deadens the mm -hmm. flavors to it. I feel like I'm left with just some alcohol. Yeah, I think I definitely prefer okay. it straight. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to describe. Have we preferred anything with the water? There was one, I'm thinking back to, it might have been one of the Westlands that was like opened up a little bit. I can't remember. The, Maybe. But now I'd have to, I'd have to think back. We need to be keeping a... A log. Why are we log. keeping Why a, are we a captain's log? Uh, <laughs> Kelly. Note, <laughs> note to self. <laughs> Keep a log. That's a good question. You know, Anita sent us these um, coasters from Etsy that were like tasting oh, note right. coasters. And I thought, I saw that and thought, why do we not have these cards for every whiskey? <laughs> it was like, you know, I forget what was on it, but it was like all, you know, how you felt about it and what you tasted. And I'm oh, like, well, we should make like a score sheet. We should have mm -hmm. a score sheet. I guess we'll have to go back and taste everything we've already tasted oh, before. Oh, darn. You're all sitting on my shelf. And <laughs> I told darn. you how my mom was like, I'm so sad I'm not drinking all these with you. And she's visiting me next week. And I'm like, Mom, they're all in my bar. You can try them all. <laughs> can we do an episode that is Deborah Goss drinks all the whiskey? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? It would be pretty funny after drinking half, but yes. <laughs> it would be amazing. Okay, so with water, it's I'm I'm not in love with it. Yeah, but I don't think it completely destroys it. No, no, like not some only of it has others. Some, yeah. some of the others. Yeah. Um, the but it's definitely yeah, the essence is still there. I feel like it, it tastes a little bit more like it tastes more of the rye with the water. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I feel like that's also a very hard taste to describe. It's just rye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think. Too is that some of the I think some that I like with a little water. I'm trying to think because there's there was one that I mentioned before that I like with ice, and it's because it dissolves a little bit. And I'm mm -hmm. gonna have to think about which one that was. Mm -hmm. But but it's because I I prefer it colder, right? Which mm -hmm. like you don't yeah. always have to drink it cold. Sometimes I do. I mean, I prefer almost anything like a little bit on the chillier side. Mm -hmm. But this is so good just at the room temperature we're at. Yeah, that. I feel like I wouldn't need to put ice in it, in which case it would water it down. You know, it's right. like you want something that's going to continue to taste good as it gets watered down a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's a lovely rye. Yes. It is a fantastic rye. They, um, I've also had their Mosby Spirit. Oh, you have had it. The Gentleman's Moonshine. The Gentleman's Moonshine. <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense because, you know, we've had some, uh, we had that Copper Fox moonshine yes. the white that their white mm -hmm. dog whiskey and we were all like what in the yeah yep. um so yeah, it I tastes was, like it's right out of somebody's bathtub yeah <laughs> uh so i was very surprised when i had uh, the most the, of spirit it was very mm. not like that at all it was not harsh it was you could taste the flavors mm -hmm. and not feel like you're dying of alcohol <laughs> well that's good to know yeah so maybe i'll grab one next time i'm oot in a boot Mm -hmm. um, right. And I've also had their, um, what is it, the Roundstone Rise 60? It's like their next higher tier on their rye. It has like a little blue on the bottle. Mm. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just like a new labeling, but maybe that it's another. It's a, like it's another tier. Yeah. Is it aged longer, maybe? It's possible. Like yeah. a three year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. What is this one? So just, just under two, right? This is just under two. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's delicious. The second whiskey that I have brought you 
is the Finns American Rye. It's made from or- uh, Oregon Spirit Distillers in beautiful Bend, Oregon. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it. Um, Alex picks this, picked this up the last time he was out on the West Coast. Uh, I like that in their website bio, it says, you can count on us to be your source of of spirit science and fun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Obviously, I love them. <laughs> you didn't buy out their whole I know. <laughs> spirit science and fun. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they make a bunch of stuff. They make vodka, gin, rum, absinthe, and whiskey. <laughs> and so Alex came home with this Finns in part because we have a... We have some very good friends who have a baby named Finn, mm-hmm. a one-year-old, and he was like, "It's eh, a whiskey name for him." Um, <laughs> you can find nothing on the internet about this because it is a special release that they made in honor of some kid. What child? Some other baby? There's more than one baby named Finn. There are a bunch of uh, apparently I in the find world. That hard to believe. I know. <laughs> um, so, so they have this whole story on the back of the bottle. The bottle is, like, very pretty. It's got this little hand-drawn yeah, label with little trees and whatnot. And um, and it talks on the back about how it was – It was they made a special batch uh, in honor of – I can't find it, but some kid. Finn Orion. We welcome Finn Orion into the world. I don't know whether this is a child or a grandchild or what, but they made a special batch. There's no information about – whether it's 100% rye or not, whether where it was aged, nothing. Or how long it was aged. You would choose to make an yeah. American rye for some kid you named the most Irish name that ever Irished. <laughs> it's a good point. Yes. It's a very good point. Um, so so in, I searched the internet far and wide for this. I hadn't really thought about where it came from when Alex gave it to me. I was just like, gimme, let me drink it. And then... <laughs> In looking around, I found one set of tasting notes in all the world um, by some guy on Reddit, of course, on the bourbon subreddit. I'm like, dude, Mm. do you even know what you're drinking? Did you even read the label? (laughs) And he was like, he's like, well, I'm fairly certain that it's 100% rye and it's not chill filtered, which we'll talk about in a minute. And he gave his tasting notes, which we'll get to. Um, Hmm. Anyway, long story short, I emailed them to be like, can you give me some information? And this morning... How miraculous. <laughs> the timing. She emailed me back. Um, and it is 100% rye. Great. And it's aged for two years in American white oak barrel. Medium huh. char. So, made very, very similarly similar. to the Catoctin Creek. Yeah. Let's see if it tastes the same. Great. Um, do you want new glasses or that's fine? I'll take a new glass because I have a feeling I will want to do some comparisons. comparisons. Mm-hmm. Thank you. These are our... They're very pretty. Galway crystal glasses. They're beautiful. This bottle is even more depleted, so it doesn't make the good sound. <laughs> Cheers. 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 That's it's a little offensive. Dairy. Oh, I, I didn't get dairy. I got spice. Don't tell me dairy. I'm sorry. I just saw it. I know you can't even like say that word. Sorry. It's just like I'm the sorry. milk just like comes down. It the smells shower. like cheese to me. Oh, now I smell it. Sorry. <sighs> Okay. That. God, I can't. I, I can't identify. It's a little spicy to me, and it's uh, it's like spice and grapefruit to me. I don't get the dairy. I'm trying hard to block that out of my brain. Yeah, this it smells fruity, but like not in a good way. It smells like artificially fruity. Like it smells like the way that um, you know, like Nyquil, like children's Nyquil. Mm. I was thinking like runts, that 
candy runs. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm not sure what that smells like. I think that's okay. nice coast. High sugary. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a sip. Interesting. So a lot spicier. Very much spicier than the Catoctin. Ugh, I get your dairy now. I do not get the dairy at all. Okay. I get, um, Good. I feel like I'm taking, Take it out there's of like memory. a creaminess on the, like on the back. What do you get? Your creaminess to me, ta- I mean, I taste like I'm, I feel like I'm taking children's medicine. That's like medicine being masked by a huh. flavor. So when you say that, then like licking my lips, I feel like. Yeah, there's like a little bit of Robitussin flavor in mm-hmm. my mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's almost nostalgic and <laughs> mm-hmm. not really in a good way. <laughs> right. It's almost like a, a grape flavored Robitussin. Exactly. Children's yeah. Robitussin. Yeah, like, like, like a, mm-hmm. like you mixed a couple flavors together. Yeah. Like to me, it tastes like, like it's almost the grape, but it's almost the orange. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the orange. <laughs> right? So, bef- so bef- I'm listening to you too, and all I could taste was toffee. But then I took another sip after you said that, and it's orange. It's the orange. It's like an orange Smarty and whiskey uh, to me. You know, but it's also uh, like an orange Smarty dissolved in moonshine. <laughs> Which, there was a time when I was in grad school, sidebar. <laughs> Shout out to my ladies at Boston University. We were in grad school and we, the pub, there's a, there's a pub on campus and it was like literally half a block from our office. But one day it was closed, tragically, and someone had a fifth of gin and we only had Smarties, and we dissolved a bunch of Smarties in the gin and then drank it. I don't know why. Oh, my God. Science and is why. <laughs> we were like, what does this taste like? Will it dissolve? Let's find out. And th- that's what this thats what this taste reminds me of. Wow. Is dissolving Smarties in gin. This is kind of why I dislike gin, because gin to me has always tasted like there's a flavor masking alcohol. Hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I feel yeah. like I'm licking a tree and, you yeah. know. Downings and Moonshine at the same yep. time. I don't know. I, I, so I've I, had this before at your house. Mm-hmm. And it it has been like maybe six months. And maybe this is at your New Year's party. So it's been like four or five months. Who would remember, frankly? <laughs> like, did I have a New Year's party? <laughs> I actually did not get sloshed at that one. So I, I, think, I think it was either that or Thanksgiving. And I remember just really disliking it. Like... I couldn't, I almost couldn't even finish what you gave me. Mm-hmm. I just liked it so much. And so I was ready to be like, holy shit, I'm going to hate this so much that I don't hate it, even though the words, all the words I have said, <laughs> hate, 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 hate this. I mean, I will say, I don't think that I could like, I couldn't just drink this straight yeah. ever. Yeah. But, um, but it's also like not nearly as horrible as I had made it in my mind. In my mind, it had become like, the epitome of rise of like why I don't like rise, which is not really fair to rise, but right. there's something very strange about this. It's it's fascinating to me of how different they taste, but how yeah. similar that they are. Yeah, um, their makeup is, and we you know <clears throat> part of why you know if if you look at the bottles, there's so much more of this gone mm-hmm. because we've tried to make it into so many cocktails. We're like maybe mm. maybe this is destined maybe, maybe this is destined for cocktail fodder right like maybe that's its role in our whiskey life but we haven't found a cocktail that uses it quite right yet like it's terrible with ginger ale it's terrible Mm. 
And I am almost with, certain you gave it to me with Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I probably was like trying not to drink the good bourbon, and I was like, here you go, girl. And so I was sort of like, man, you really ruined this Diet Dr. Pepper. This is like a good soda. Before the there. That's how desperate we've gotten with this bottle, right? Like, I tried it in a Manhattan. Um, we tried it in an old fashioned. And it just isn't mm. quite right in any of them because the citrus clashes with whatever citrus is already there. Mm. And, and it's too bitter. You can't put bitters in this. It's too yeah. bitter already. It's really, so really bitter. If anyone out there has a bottle of this and wants to try to figure out what cocktail it belongs in, then I will gladly make it. Let us know. Let us know. Because it's a it's a tricky one. It's not terrible. No. No. But, like, if you put it next to the round stone... It's the lesser of the two, I would say. Absolutely. Hmm. So, we'll see. They're, apparently, they're coming... Oh, so... Right, I said that I emailed this woman, um, and she finally got back to me today, and she said that they're releasing another one that's three years aged. Interesting. Um, this summer. And so, I'm, I sort of want to hmm. see how that... Whether it sort of matures a little bit. How different is it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it stanks it up a little more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Oh, and, let's try a little water. Oh, yeah. See what happens. I need to give myself more. Yeah, kind of. Just a little. Kelly <laughs> <laughs> reaches across the table. It's a little hard across from the table. Okay, let's try with water. See, she's got a Pyrex, too. <laughs> I'm it's on my list to find uh, you guys. Thrift store. Best, our best find you guys. Uh, thrift store. It smells like butterscotch. I smell more of the citrus. Oh, it smells so butterscotchy. Okay. Well, this one I like a whole lot better with water. <laughs> it actually kills the alcohol, which I think is maybe one of the first times where I felt that Whoa. to be true. Hey, I agree with you. This is nicer with water. Oh, and only with a couple words. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk for 20 minutes and then realize that we, we are done. The same idea. <laughs> oh, I like it. This makes Kelly, me you don't agree? No. No. Kelly disagrees. No. I'm still getting the medicine-y. Wow, that's really cut for me. Yeah. That's, that feels totally different. <laughs> All that, like, yeah, the medicine-y undertone to it is... It's still there, but it's way diluted. That's funny. I feel like right, without it, it losing brings it out taste. more for me. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, different palettes. Yeah. Well, next time I... Get sloughed off some of this at your place. I will. I will <laughs> shit ton of water. Put some water in it. <laughs> Forget the diet DP. We'll save that for. I wonder if rot. You know, if it is like a nice ice cube. Yeah, mm-hmm. a nice ice cube, like one of the nice round ones that you yep. gave me the mold for, mm-hmm. um, is what this needs. I like it with the water. That's actually very drinkable. Yeah, Much I nicer. I actually like. Yep. I think legitimately like it with yep. the water. I agree. I totally agree. Now I'm really curious to try their three year. All right, I'll send. I'll send a missive out to try to get some um, from the guy that was the only person on the internet who had ever tasted this, <laughs> aside, aside from us, on the bourbon subreddit. Um, he said the nose was crazy fruity, which I am not sure mm-hmm. that I agree with. A little spice, very little oak, some crushed nutshells, he says. He goes, a bit of pancake syrup and hay? Okay, what? <laughs> I don't drink much rye, more of a bourbon guy, but I've never smelled anything like this. And then he says, you guys will love this. 
Maybe the closest I can compare it to is some of the Four Roses products, <gasps> question mark. And no. I was like, oh, no. Right in the heart. Right in the heart. <laughs> no. And then and then it gets better. No, 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 no. Write to this person right now. Yeah. <laughs> no. You tell this person on the internet that he is wrong. <laughs> important. Important. Right now, he is wrong. Stay up as long as it takes. <laughs> so not only does he compare this to Four Roses, he oh. says in the, la- in the concluding sentence of this paragraph, I'd love, all caps, to find more rye like this. Canada, maybe? <laughs> what? It's like, you are going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a great, I read it like seven times. And the fact, and like, as I read, the fact that it was posted oh under God. bourbon, because there is a whole whiskey, general whiskey subreddit. They're like, there's the whiskey subreddit and then like a bunch of sub subreddits of mm-hmm. like whiskeys, bourbons, whatever. I had the bourbon one for a while, but I don't get Reddit. But like this guy clearly like crazy dude. pants. No. Um, no. And he goes, absolutely not the dill pickle spicy rye you get from a lot of American producers. I've never tasted dill pickle what? in a rye. Uh-uh. Um, just a huge cherry bomb. He, he keeps Ew. saying cherry. I'm like, no. no. there's no cherry. Also, the, word, the phrase cherry, cherry bomb, bomb does mm-hmm. not mean what you think it means. <laughs> and it was interesting. So, so whatever, internet dude. Um, the yeah. one good thing about this review that I read on the subreddit is that it, he said, I'm absolutely sure that it, you know, is hundred percent rye and it hasn't been chill filtered. And so that sent me down a rabbit hole of what is chill filtering? Which brings me to science corner. dude who clearly doesn't know anything about whiskey talking about chill filtering and then what what does that really like i've heard that term before but what does it really mean um so so it basically removes the residue right so if you have a whiskey you're making a whiskey and it ha- it's a little cloudy and this only goes for whiskeys that are below 46 percent abv because above 46 percent apv there's enough alcohol that you won't have all this cloudiness it, like is dilute enough, I guess, by the alcohol. Hmm. So for things that are below 46%, you have the option of chill filtering, which is you take the whiskey and you bring it down to between minus 10 and 4 degrees Celsius, which is basically around freezing 32 Fahrenheit. Um, And then you pass it through a filter to remove the cloudiness. Um, And because some, there are some whiskeys that are, that hover around 46% ABV that like, if you add ice to it, it gets a little cloudy Hmm. And uh, so there's, and then there are these two camps of people, right? The people who are like, I want my whiskey to be clear and beautiful. And then the people who are like, you know, I like it dirty and, and unfiltered, da, da, da. Oh, God. Um, so Please read, never introduce me to either of those camps I know. of people. <laughs> Unfortunately, I read entirely too much from both of them. Oh, God. Um, but basically, you know, the people that want to sort of filter stuff out, um, it, it costs a little bit of money because it's an extra step in the process and it takes time because you have to, um, you know, you have to cool everything and then pass it through this filter and the filters cost money and the cooling costs money and all this stuff. Um, 
But the people who have the audiences that want the clearer stuff, that's what they'll do. And one of the things that they are filtering out are the esters that we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like fatty acids and stuff that sort of coagulate in the, mm. in the whiskeys. Um, and there's apparently a big debate about whether it actually impacts the taste or not. So some people say it doesn't do anything. It just removes the stuff. And then some people say, no, you can really taste when it's filtered. But I thought the esters were... Right. That right. if you're filtering out some esters, then it has to impact the taste. Yeah. Which is what I, I think, too. So now on my, on my ever-growing Science Corner list <laughs> is to find um, a batch. And I'm actually wondering if Catoctin... Creek may have this. They're local and they're nice people and they do a lot of iterations of their stuff. Mm. And so I kind of want to find somewhere that has made, they've chill filtered and not chill filtered a batch and do a little blind test and Mm -hmm. see if we can tell the difference. So anything that's, that's higher um, ABV, sometimes you'll see, it'll say like non chill filtered or unchill filtered. And Mm -hmm. that's just sort of, it's also saying like, we're a little higher alcohol. We're a little fancier because we don't need to filter our stuff. Um, I know it was interesting. This, is this only true for rye or for any whiskey? This is for any whiskey. Okay. It's for any whiskey. Um, I think, yeah. And so internet dude was like, he thinks that he must think there's a flavor difference. He said it's, Although he's well, also he said wrong, it's clearly right? not chill filtered and it could be because he held it up and said, well, it's a little cloudy and I'm sitting here right now. I'm holding both of these up next to each other. And I will say that the fins is a little darker. But I don't know if that doesn't I, mean without passing thing, yeah. a special fancy light through it, I can't tell you whether one is more cloudy than the other. Yeah, I think this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, but at least he <laughs> taught he taught me to go down this mm-hmm. path of interest. So now I'm sort of keeping my eye out for if it says cold filtered or not. Yeah, I can imagine that most craft distillers are not going to put the time and effort into chill filtration. Right. I wonder. Yeah. Um, Plus, if it's cloudy. That's charming, right? We know how we feel about charming whiskey. <laughs> but you want it charming? You want it So, so just for reference, the Catoctin Creek is forty percent. So they mm-hmm. could have had, they could have, hmm. and the Fins is forty-five. So it's also within that, within that realm of of potentially chill filtering. Um, yeah. So something that I'm going to sort of keep an eye on for future bottles that we try. And again, I, I will try to get my hands on a couple of pairings of them just to see yeah because i remember when we did taste the copper fox moonshine you can mm-hmm. i remember seeing the sort of like trails in it of, you can see all the whatever non-filtered version yeah it is yeah and the stuff sort of floating mm-hmm. around in there so i guess there are some people <clears throat> who's you know who get upset if they see <laughs> stuff in their whiskey like it's not a natural <laughs> product Whatever. Are the those, people who are those all drink in my <laughs> My artisanal, my artisanal whiskey oh is God. chill filtered uh, six times. Anyway, I need a full of pesticides. What can I pour you? Uh, right at the. I see that everyone's glass is uh, empty. I wouldn't mind some more Catoctin, which I have a really hard time saying. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if that's just because I. Everybody here grew up saying like Native American words, and <laughs> I didn't except for Chumash, which is really easy to say. Every time I kind of, so I, you know, I went to school in Ohio and like everything there is named after some like Native American and they're all very hard to say and not self-explanatory, but I find Catoctin not, uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but you guys say it really fast. Catoctin. 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 It's because I've been drinking Catoctin Creek for a long time. Okay. So, so. I just haven't drank it. 
basically. Like tonight, just, just basically. Just keep drinking it and <laughs> just say it it's perfectly. Also, it's also a geologic formation, so it sits oh, in a special God. place in my brain. Look, geology <laughs> podcast. All right, science party's <laughs> over. Fine. Moving on. Away from science corner. <laughs> you like a noise every time you like reference geology. <laughs> I think we just drink. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Drink. Everywhere in your world. Oh, my gosh. All right. I won't go off on that. All sciences. <laughs> Don't pretend like that's geology, please. <laughs> it's the most basic science there is. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Not, don't ever tell an astronomer that. I'm just going to get God. really, I really All angry. Right. I know. <laughs> let's, let's move on. You know, a major riot. <laughs> oh, Geology, astronomy, smackdown. Right, right, so <laughs> Get rid of Sorry, Kelly. No. No more. This is about whiskey. <laughs> Enough science in our whiskey. So right. we're drinking in our whiskey. Jameson theft. Yeah. So um, there's actually theft in Kentucky that's um, has been gone unsolved for the past since t- uh, 2013. Um, a big over 200 bottles of Pappy Van Winkle went missing from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Oh. What? Yeah. So that's a big. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Pappy Van Winkle, it's a very high regarded whiskey, especially their 20 year. Um, it's very hard to get. Um, when it, it does become available, it basically gets sold very quickly, but at a very high price. Um, I want to say if you find it in a bar, um, a shot is like $20 a shot or above. Um, so it is very, it's very expensive. It's very highly regarded. So it is not a truck full of Jameson. No, it is not a truck full of Jameson (laughs) that you can just easily offload because Mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh yeah, I'll I'll buy a bottle of Jameson. Mm -hmm. No, this is like high end. If you would like try not to make disparaging remarks. Sorry. I don't know. Do you have like a gallon of toilet water? Right. (laughs) Whatever whatever you want. Whichever. Yeah. Um, So, um, you know, kind of a big fucking deal that this stuff went missing. And from the distillery itself, not from like a store or yeah. anything. It was actually or from transport or something. Right. It was actually from the distillery. Um, and so they weren't really quite sure um, where to do, what to do, whatever. Um, oh, uh, so recently, I think in the past couple of weeks, the where uh, the distillery is located is in Franklin County and Kentucky. The sheriff's department um, said that they basically have are going. We're going to indict nine people in this whiskey theft ring. Conspiracy! Whoa. Nine people. Nine people. That's awesome. That's yeah, can we be a whiskey conspiracy someday? Yes. <laughs> can we walk in slow motion with like, sunglasses and trench coats? That's how I picture us getting yes. taken away. Um, basically, what they found out is that it was totally an inside job. So employees of Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey have been indicted in this um, because when the theft sort of happened, they're like, there was no break-ins. There was no, like, again, like no transport, no store. It was from the distillery itself. And there was like, they were just went missing. Oh, the theft is coming from inside the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they just break a window or something? Um, and so 
This sort of broke open when um, the police found five barrels of wild turkey that had also gone missing from the wild turkey distillery um, at some, like, random person's house. And they were like, maybe this is connected to the Pappy Van Winkle theft. And what it turned out was that, yes, it was. It was connected to the Pappy Van Winkle theft. And and also it sort of exposed this whole huge underground bourbon ring, like theft ring. Wow. Again, nine people. So it's kind of big. But that then, is pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> but then the funny kicker is um, they also were not um, just satisfied with dealing in black market bourbon. Um, they decided that apparently they wanted to expand their operations, their illegal operations, and get into dealing in steroids as well. What? Oh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> so not only are they peddling high market value bourbon plus kind of low market value bourbon with wild turkey, but also they're like, Oh yeah, I also got your steroids too. <laughs> Whatever you need, I got your high end. Really, I got like, in the locker room. I got you, like you know, get a couple of needles. <laughs> plus, like I got a bottle of Pappy. How do those do? even go together? That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely crazy. Um, also, the crazy part about it is, is that they decided to sell the Pappy Van Winkle, uh, Pappy Van Winkle bottles for half of market value. Like I cannot. I just like. Why would you go down that low? I don't. That's not going to raise a flag at all. No. No. So crazy. I'm like, but why would you, like, not double the price? Because it's so rare. And, like, it's just clearly not the most. Some nine idiots. Sharpest. Is what we're. Knife in the box. Yep. Um, So, yeah. So, basically, um, they were able to recover these five barrels of wild turkey, um, expose this whole bourbon steroid ring. (laughs) I can't understand. I know. Like, but then, um, like, A-Rod is like, I'd really like to take a little, <laughs> little nightcap like, while I'm taking oh my drugs. But it's, it's, it also it also sounds like it's very much contained to Kentucky. Like, it's not like an yeah. international bourbon steroid ring. It is like your local, like, hey, I got this bottle of Pappy and your steroids for your Are they human team. steroids or horse, horse steroids? Um, I think it was mm-hmm. human steroids because they, um, and one of, so... The AP reported on this, the local NBC affiliate mm. in Lexington reported on this, NPR reported on this. So, like, basically everyone was like, bourbon ring, like, bourbon mm. theft ring, this is crazy. So everyone reported <laughs> like, on steroids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so in one of the articles, they were saying that um, that one of the guys um, sort of found his steroid connections through his, like, local softball league or whatnot. So, oh, yeah. sure. I yeah. mean, we're like, where would you need well, steroids more than your, your local, local softball, softball league? Ultra yeah. competitive. Yeah, super competitive. Um, but the, it would be more like oxy or, like, meth or some sort of household drug I don't rather know. than, I mean... Is meth a household drug in Kentucky? Mm. Uh, lots of... <laughs> Maybe not the same people who are buying Pappy. True. But that's what I'm saying, like Oxy or something like that, where you're just looking for a dealer and the dealer also happens to have some sweet whiskey on them. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I still cannot understand this. (laughs) No. (laughs) But so here's the the kicker, right? So they were able to, the police were able to recover um, what they're estimating to be about $100,000 in bourbon, sorry. Um, Burble. 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 It's the bourbon with the Yeah, that's the combo pack. <laughs> so they recovered over $100,000 in bourbon, um, including um, including some of the Peppy Van Winkles. Not all of them because they had sold 
Um, and also one stainless steel barrel of Eagle Rare 17-year-old bourbon Ooh. that um, is estimatedly uh, estimated at a value of $11,000 a barrel. Um, so, and then the very, very sad part about this whole thing oh, is no. that because all this bourbon that they recovered is now evidence in this case. <gasps> no! Against this bourbon steroid theft ring. No! Is that after the trial, etc., it's going to be destroyed. No! No! Someone has to save it. That's a bigger crime than anything. <laughs> they, they, would, yeah. destroy- they would just sell it at auction? I don't the the article for me said, like a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know that they said that because of apparently maybe like Kentucky law or something that it would have to be destroyed. It's bottled, right? It's not yeah. like it's exposed like in barrels or something, which maybe like you you know lose the chain of custody or something with regard mm-hmm. to the FDA. But like it's bottled, it's bottled. I mean, can't you be? Uh, wouldn't you if you were like the cop in charge of destroying this evidence be like? You got mm-hmm. it, boss. I'm gonna go burn <laughs> yeah, this or none whatever. Of that's being destroyed. It's all no. like the cops are gonna have the biggest party. <laughs> As they should. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, ah, uh, oh. Uh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So story, so Kelly. much about this story is just. Crazy that's a good pants. death story. That's way better than the Jameson story. Crazy pants story. I know. Mm-hmm. All they had were crowbars. This is like we just had sticks. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh man. All right. So I sent an article to you ladies, and I believe I actually wrote side eye in the email. Um, Mm -hmm. The name of the article or the the headline is New York is the best state for bourbon right now. I'm like, all right. Uh, I didn't uh, actually read it at the time. I was sort of like, let's read this later. And it's a very, it's actually a, t- a fairly terrible article. It's it's kind of an <laughs> advertorial, you know, or yeah, advertorial when they, you know, they, it's like, it's definitely being paid for by somebody. Who, where was it? Um, So it's in some wine blog. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And they kind of, you can tell they don't write about bourbon all the time, but I learned a few interesting things from this. So they're saying that, you know, go to upstate New York because there's lots of uh, new distillers there. They've, they've really exploded in the past couple of years, which we, you know, we've read about. We've read about like mm-hmm. Kings County. We talked about their book. Um, and so she kind of goes over this and and uh, what they're doing there. And it's kind of like, you know, go for your B&B. It's so beautiful. It like, reads like a BuzzFeed article. But I did <laughs> learn this. So this is a new term for me. Solera aged bourbon. Have you guys heard this before? No. Mm-hmm. So it's a type of blended bourbon. And so I think... I, when I Google it, I only uh, she associates it with this um, Hill Rock Estate Distillery in uh, upstate New York. And when you Google it, they're almost the only people who do it. They do the Solera aged bourbon, and it's a type of blended whiskey where um, they have a stack of barrels, and each barrel is never fully emptied. But the bourbon um, goes through each barrel. You know, they don't empty it; it goes to the next one. They don't empty it, so it gets blended between these. The barrels and the ages, hmm. and it's so it's moved through the stack of, of barrels, um, and then it's it's uh, it's blended with mature seed bourbon, which I'm actually not sure what that means, and finished in sherry casks. And she writes, mm-hmm. uh, the eloquent writer here, the result is a rich, decadent, layered spirit that tastes more complex than plenty of mature bourbons. Hmm. I. Need to taste that to believe it. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a fascinating process. Yeah. And I don't know why it's called this. Like, Solera makes it sound like... Sun something. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that you could actually 
I mean, does it really taste that complex? Like, I can't picture how this... Yeah, the barrel's different. Yeah. I mean, it's really just that you're blending a bunch and you don't know what exactly you're blending. Mm. Unless you're taking very careful calculations of how much you're you're moving from barrel to barrel. Huh. So, anyway, I thought that was an an interesting um, term of art, at least. And I kept reading down, and apparently New York State law allows local distilleries to sell at farmer's markets, which I thought was really interesting. So, like, we could go down the street and buy, like, a pint of some local distillery. So That's pretty great. That's fun. Yeah. made me... Uh, oh. <laughs> sorry, I wrote Ugg here, because she used Sammy's in an article. Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. You say Sammy's or tummy, and, like, you're just not a, an adult human being anymore. But, mm. so that made me look up some more information on the New York legislation, because, you know, we have sort of heard how New York is, like, burgeoning these days, and all these local distillers are, are mm-hmm. opening up, and I'm like, so why exactly is this happening? Is it just that it's trendy now? And it's actually not. So it's not that it's trendy. It's actually that the laws have been changing um, in a way that the government is really trying to encourage uh, not just the uh, like alcohol distillering process, but in a way to encourage um, agriculture. Mm-hmm. So there are actually a lot of laws now um, where they, they at first they started like untangling laws like there used to be. So this article actually that I'm reading now. So I, this is from last year, 2014, is from Edible Manhattan. Hmm. How New York legislation helped put local liquor, liquor in your cabinet from March 4th, 2014. And they said how before Prohibition, there were hundreds of New York distillers. After Prohibition, there was zero wow. for like decades, decades and decades. And just now they're really starting to um, to build back up again. And it says after Prohibition, there were none until 2006 when an entrepreneurial man named Ralph Arenzo moved from Manhattan to the Hudson Valley. And what he did was find a little known law that's from 2000 that allowed uh, distillers, if you were doing purely locavore distilling, using all local products and doing it in state. So everybody else, if you were like another distiller, just getting your stuff from wherever, your license cost $65,000 for your license. If you were a locavore distiller, your license cost $1,500. Whoa. So he found this on the books and was like, why isn't anybody using this? Right. Let's start using this. He started lobbying for a lot of this stuff to to um to not just like encourage distilling, but to be like like New York, like let's build up New York. And hmm. so he really helped build um, what became the 2007 Farm Distillery Act, hmm. and that really allowed distilleries to like open their doors. And they went from having three distillers in the state to having forty, like almost overnight. Wow. Wow. And it's all, like, really to foster the agriculture economy. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, this whole article is actually really interesting. It's, like, a thousand words. And it's all about... So, there's that... Um, the thousand words. You're such an editor. What is this? Sorry. <laughs> Here's how long it is. <laughs> so, and, and it's across distilleries. It's, it's distilleries. It's all the liquors. But it's also beer and wine as well. And so, like, 1976 became, like, the Farm Winery Act, which, you know, obviously was before this, this mm-hmm. more recent act. But, um, but that sort of, like, got things started for the wineries. And, like, once they all kind of got together, like, now the distilleries and the wineries and the beer, like, they're all kind of lobbying together insofar as, um, so, uh, what's his name, Mario Cuomo? Um, like, not him, but his predecessor started, uh, kind of started this ball rolling. And then Cuomo, like, really jumped on it. And he was like, we are going to have, like, a New York yay moment <laughs> and started really encouraging these laws and like getting rid of a lot of the sort of red tape where like wineries couldn't even 
uh, allow tastings in their own, um, in their, in, like in their own places, in their own vineyards mm, wow. and, and, and anything. And so a lot of these acts allowed farms mm-hmm. to start distilling and to, to sell it from their farm. So that became like, Ooh. it really cleared a lot of red tape yeah. to be able to, to do this. And wow. because a lot of this, it's all really in state. So like they grow the corn in mm-hmm. state, they grow like, you know, the grapes in state. And then just to like seal the deal, what Cuomo did was start this pride of New York campaign <laughs> where you can't, necessarily keep making it if nobody's buying it right and like it really has increased the tourist industry like a like huge fold but what he did with this campaign was start talking to sommeliers and like other you know restaurants in the neighborhood to 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 pledge that they would sell 10 percent of their menus of their drink menus to be new york York. based no wonder people love cuomo man like that's amazing it's incredible so it's actually like a really I thought it was a really fascinating story. And so, like, yeah. and especially this, which, like, kind of gets off topic, but I thought it was fascinating. Start this, uh, this 2010 document entitled The New New York Agenda that Cuomo helped put together. And it's an eight-page document that lays out the multi-idea manifesto on how to go from flatlining to lined up around the block via... Okay, blah, blah, there's a lot of buzzwords. Um, <laughs> but revitalizing the Bronx's wholesale Hunts Point market upping access to local produce, not to mention making it affordable for seniors and low-income communities through CSA programs that accept SNAP food stamps, addressing renewable energy resources for farmers and expending tax incentives for biofuel production, and committing to partnering with universities like Cornell to help farmers grow better, like, for instance, barley for beers and spirit industries. So it's like this huge, like, like, manifold thing that they're doing. And, like, this is the only article I read, so I haven't read any, like, critiques on it. This Mm -hmm. is really my first introduction it sounds amazing. Well, and it makes me think, like, you know, I listen to all of this, and I think we have all of this in Virginia. Like, Virginia is this super agricultural rich state. We grow grapes for wine. We have all this distilling. We have all these ways to get CSAs to people. Like, why, like, is Virginia doing this, and I just don't know about it? Well, or, like, is hmm. New York just kick-ass and Well, remember, this is all it. really in, like, the last, like, five to seven years. So this is all, like, getting ramped up fairly recently. Yeah. And also, and I think it's because New York, like, you know, New York lives off of New York City. Yeah. And farmers, they were saying in here that they, they were, like, the quote is, like, they were having a code red for farmers. Like, agriculture was just dying. Like, it was absolutely dying. Right. And this is a way to, like not just build up farmers and just, like, give them money, like, subsidies. It was a way to let, actually, like, create an industry. Create a market right. for exactly. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I want to read that. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Huh. It does. So, I can't help but think about, like, what, why can't we do this in the place where we live? Like, D.C. is... Well, like, D.C. Well, as New York so City I, and Virginia, because <laughs> it's full of Southern idiots, but I don't know. I actually did, so I, I was sort of wondering, I'm like, well, I have 15 minutes before we're going to meet for this podcast, but let me <laughs> see what I can look up in that time. And so I'm wondering how D.C.'s laws have changed, and I, I, I didn't print this out, so I want to look at it again. I think we can address this better, especially because there's a book called Prohibition. I think it's called Prohibition in D.C. or something like that, mm-hmm. which we should read for a book club soon. Yeah. But, um... But the Washington City Paper did an article about this when Green Hat and mm-hmm. uh, New Columbia started, like, a few years back, yep. 2013, I think, mm-hmm. and how their 
Well, so obviously we're not going to like, we can't do locavore because we're not growing fucking corn in DC. Right. But, um. <laughs> but you are in, like, Virginia's right here. Okay, but aside from Metro, and they can't even get Metro together, like, we're not going to do tri state kind of stuff, right? I mean, oh, maybe, but if we did, it would may- be awesome. Okay, okay. I'm well, such an idealist. Well, so I'm like, <laughs> get that on your lobbyist bandwagon. Right? <laughs> it would be amazing, but. So in, in DC, the yeah. laws hasn't haven't necessarily changed. In in DC, it actually has been more of a trend. And in fact, yeah. you would find this interesting because um, they what at least in this article that I briefly read explained that it was um, it was more just there wasn't like a cocktail culture here mm-hmm. until PX opened in Old Town Alexandria, yep. and they focused more on the cocktails than they did on the food. And suddenly, everybody in DC was like, "They, I want to own a cocktail bar like PX." And then it just flourished, and that's Seriously, been like a demand like, for local. Well, that's interesting. Cocktail bars have opened. <laughs> yeah. So for for our listeners who may not know this, so PX is is a is a true speakeasy like doesn't have a sign it has a little blue light if they're open they have a very limited number of seats you have to make a reservation or you can walk up and like if you if you look good enough and they have seats they'll be like we can seat you for an hour and then you need to go (laughs) and and also emphasize um look good yeah although you know we went recently um we we just happened to stumble up they had two seats that they said they had for an hour so we went up there and there were a couple of people in there that i was like really (laughs) but maybe they had a reservation i know (laughs) because i'm always so nervous like myself you know i'm like oh man i better pretty up before i go here but it's it's owned by a sort of like mini restaurant cartel in in virginia dc um but their cocktails are phenomenal i mean they make all of their own bitters they make all of their own syrups they just have this guy who's been there for years and years and years who makes these cocktails and it is it is like walking into like 1925 or something i mean it's a wonderful it's a wonderful place to drink but it's interesting that that's like the source of all these things because it's this I tiny no place i mean it's teeny tiny <laughs> on this little side street off of King so Street. But it really did. I mean, cocktails yeah. have become... A, yeah. It's a huge culture thing. It Definitely. There's so many cocktail bars. Like yep. Columbia Room and all that. Well, not the Columbia Room. The Gibson. The Gibson and, and Marvin. Yeah, Marvin. Passenger when it was around. Hogo. Yeah, all these places. Here for a passenger. I know. That's well, the Columbia Room. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all under the bulldozer now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And actually, so I thought this was neat, too. Um... Uh, they also started an initiative to opening stores in the local airports, LaGuardia and JFK, where travelers can go oh. home with a hunk of New York cheddar or a bottle of uh, Tut Hill Town. I'm probably saying that wrong. Tut Hill Town. <laughs> Baby bourbon instead of a forgettable t-shirt made in China. Which, like, so That's are those amazing. behind mm-hmm. the checkpoints? And so you can just buy one and take it on the plane with you? Yeah, so, I think so, yeah. And they do, this is in San Francisco also. At and also SFO, there's PDX, a, um, too. Yeah, and PDX. Because mm-hmm. so, it's really hard to do that if you're not in an international airport and yeah. flying internationally so that you can buy, what do you call it? Yeah. Liquor. Uh, duty-free. Duty-free, duty free. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at least the, most recently I was in San Francisco, and there's a great little wine bar. This is like, I always go have a glass of wine before I go. They have wine and, pop- and popcorn. It's like my favorite. Oh my God, <laughs> it's my heaven. Um, but you can go and buy... All California wines, um, and like some cheese from the from the farms in California, and just walk. You can just walk right onto your plane with it because it's all yeah. behind. That's it's great. awesome. And yeah, Pete, and Portland, Oregon airport has the same thing. Like they have all of these Portland, Oregon stores, and not only do you have your Portland, Oregon T-shirt, but they also have all <laughs> of their Portland, Oregon beers and any yep. mostly beers. 
and coffees that you can just pick up and, and bring oh, them Maybe I just haven't looked carefully mm-hmm. enough. The coffees, so I always buy coffee when I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're, like, even talking about consolidating grain. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. They talked a lot about um, having an intimate relationship with your uh, supplier. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just like, well, I need this, I need this, where can I get it from? It was like, so, Kelly, you make all this grain, and I'm going to make a liquor. Like, let's talk together about what we can make. Like, what are right. you offering? How can I make it into, yeah, like. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so it, it's, sort of, it's interesting. And, you know, and like one day you're like, well, you know, we're going to maybe make something different. And I'm like, well, maybe I can make something different with that. Mm-hmm. And so they're even talking about how, like, um, you know, because they get different grains, like combination grains for different types of whiskeys. And they're like, so right now I, I go to three different farms to get my whiskey or to get my grains for what I'm making. Maybe we could make some sort of centralized depot where, every, like, the farms would just deliver their grains, and the distillers would be like, well, okay, well, this is what I need this time, and not making it, like, making it an easier, less costly trip for mm-hmm. everybody. You know, this this reminds me of when we talked about last time about um, people worried about their running out of bourbon, but maybe it's just that sometimes you show up and they're out of your particular brand mm-hmm. and aging that you want. Like, this is a way to sort of eat. It's like people are very comfortable with seasonal food, right? Like, yeah. I know that I can only get get clementines in this time of year mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. If you get people used to, like, well, this is the time when, like, we can get these green oh products. Can you know? get a CSA bourbon? Yeah. Like, yes. like it's getting people used to the idea Five that... shares for everyone. Yeah. Like, you, <sighs> you, you're making things as they come available and based mm-hmm. on what what is growing well at the time. And so I'm not going to stress out because I can't get my exact Finn's rye whiskey, but I can get some other good thing that you're making. I mean, it's like this whole, it's just opening your mind to like, yeah. Yeah. which is more flexible. Like, like, remember I got that horrible phone call from that winery that I bought a gift for my mother from. And so they got my phone number and they're like, we just want to let you know that we have so-and-so in stock. And by the way, those bottles of wine were like $150 that they were selling. Oh, <laughs> Cause they actually got my mom on the line oh, and she was no. like, what? <laughs> That's what phone call wine but, costs. Exactly. <laughs> but it was kind of like that. They're like, we have this available now. And it's right. this, you know, new thing that we're doing and it's just, you know, become of aged enough that we're ready to sell it and whatever. Right. And, and I think people are comfortable with it for food and people mm-hmm. are probably comfortable with it for wine too. Everybody thinks yeah. about when, what years certain things are available. So yeah. if you can get comfortable with it for your liquor as well. Yeah. As opposed to be your bourbon being like the canned good that you right. get at the store. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And I think the point is... <laughs> I will say this is like my, I'm. I, this is the biggest time I've been supportive. I mean, you know, not that I've been like anti-supportive, but the local war movement. It's like that makes a lot of sense. They're yeah. like they're burgeoning up their own economy. Good for them. Yeah. It sounds like it's really successful. I think any type of legislation that allows you to go to your local farmers market and pick up a bottle of bourbon, I think. Yeah, 100% behind. Thumbs up to that. Thumbs up. Also, the commenters will note that this is a very, like, libertarian thing we're talking about. Like, they're basically, like, deregulating a lot of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and, and they're yeah, like, so. I just want to be clear that it's not that they're, like, the government's building this up. It's the government's tearing down walls and not but getting I, in the way. Like, all right, fine. You fine. know, I would, though I would also say there's, you know, there's definitely, you definitely need regulation in some cases. But I think a lot of the... um liquor law laws in this in the states are still from before prohibition yeah. and like right after prohibition that there's we're still working our way through like repealing a lot of it yeah, especially for like sure for sure blue laws and like you know you can't buy liquor on sundays or on sundays before one or 
you know, in Boston, you can't do happy hours or, you know, things like that. It's very, um, it's just a throwback to prohibition and and what that did. So, which blue laws are one of the big ones Mm -hmm. that if DC has changed any law in the last couple of years, it's that, you know, allowing people to sell on Sundays has been like the big change. Huge. Happened in Massachusetts when the Patriots got into the Super Bowl many years ago. They were like, oh, maybe we should let people buy beer (laughs) on the day that the Patriots play football. Priorities. (laughs) That's all for this episode for Whiskey Cats. Call us and tell us your favorite whiskey memory at 202-760-2009 or email us your favorite whiskey memories at whiskeycatspodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also find us at whiskeycats.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at whiskey underscore cats. Thanks for listening. Cheers. That sweet mama whisper in your ear I'm wild about that thing It makes me laugh and sing Give it to me, 